Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Tanya Fierro about addressing workforce gaps using contingent workers. Tanya Fierro, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, John. It is a pleasure to be with you today. You're joining us from San Diego. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about addressing workforce gaps using contingent workers. This is an area of expertise for you, and I'm really excited to learn from you and hear your insights. And and I appreciate you taking the time to share your expertise with me and my audience today. As we get started, I wanted to share Tanya's bio with everybody. Tanya is a human resource manager for Innovative Employee Solutions, IES, a nationwide provider of outsourced payroll and HR administrative services. A seasoned professional in the HR industry, Tanya began her career in 1995 as a recruiter with top staffing, specializing in professional placements. In 1999, she was promoted to regional operations manager and assumed responsibility for training and auditing the company's 10 staffing locations throughout the Western region. Tanya joined the IES team in 2002, where she currently serves as a strategic member of the company's executive team. Her specialties and areas of expertise include staffing management, training and development, employee relations, co-employment, and state and federal legislative compliance. And I could go on and on with her background and bio, but I'm going to pause there and I want to hand it over to you, Tanya. Anything else you would like to share with me and my audience by way of your background or personal context, and then we'll dive on into the conversation. Oh, no, thank you. That was very nice. I've just been very fortunate to have uh, been able to uh, have my HR professional experience support this industry. This industry is a phenomenal industry where it gives all sorts of individuals opportunities for career advancement and uh, and work. So just very, very honored to be a part of this industry. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Me too. This is just a wonderful place to be. You know, people often ask me, why HR? Um, You know, most kids don't grow up as small children thinking, I want to be an HR professional when I get older. Uh, I I don't think I've ever heard a single person say that. Um, You know, it's not the exciting, sexy kind of occupation that people dream about when they're younger. Yet, you know, as as I got into the field, I'm just so fascinated, endlessly fascinated by the nuances and the complexities and just really the the value that a really great HR, strategic HR professional can bring to the executive team to help make really great decisions for the organization and to impact 
the people within the organization so they can have healthier, uh, more sustainable kind of work lives. Uh, so I, I think that's a very meaningful thing. I, I love the, the the variety in the HR field, just all the different things you get to to dabble in and to do. Uh, maybe it speaks to my personality, but I, I think I would get bored, you know, if I wasn't doing something <laughs> that took me in a thousand different directions all at once. So anyways, just to highlight what you're saying, I agree. I think this is a great profession. And whether you have HR in your job title or not, if you're in any sort of leadership role, managing people in any way, you're doing HR stuff. And hopefully, yep. uh, hopefully you can learn how to do it a little bit better, uh, where you can have a good impact with the people you lead. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I, when I was a kid, I thought I was going to be a teacher when I grew up. And so uh, I am a teacher in a different way, right? I, I train I train others how to be successful with their, their career and help provide them with career options. So it's it's very similar to being a teacher, right? <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, and longtime listeners of the podcast, you'll know from time to time, I'll mention things about my upbringing or whatever. And I, I'm kind of the the oddball in my family. I, I come from a large family of eight children and my parents, my parents, as well as most of my siblings are social workers, counselors, and teachers and educators, right? Um, special ed, et cetera, right? All of those things. And then there's me. I'm the kind of the odd guy that does HR. And I, but I often tell them, you know, it's kind of the same skill set. It's just applied in a different setting, right? You're That's doing right. a lot of the same types of things. So That's right. That's right. Funny. Well, good. <laughs> Thank you for, for a little bit of that background. Um, now let's dive on in and talk about the, the, the main topic for today, which is uh, contingent workers and and utilizing contingent workers to address workforce gaps. We know in the current economy, oh, well, this really isn't even new, but we know it's it's gotten uh, more and more challenging over the the last couple of decades, and particularly over the last couple of years. Um, we have skills gaps in the workforce, so any STEM field, but you know, even uh, healthcare, hospitality, like there's all these different fields where we have huge labor shortages, where we have huge skills gaps. It's only exacerbated by um, baby boomers retiring in mass, uh, I don't know, something like 75 million new baby boomers retiring or eligible to retire yearly. Um, and, and so how are we dealing with this labor shortage? How are we dealing with these skills gaps and how can companies navigate this when it's, it's hard to attract and retain good people, especially in the age of people wanting flexibility and remote work options and quiet quitting, et cetera, et cetera. Um, let's talk a little bit about how you can utilize contingent workers to help companies fill these skills gaps that you might be facing. Yeah, you know, you think about how our industry, right, the, the staffing industry, the contingent workforce industry started um, it, when our organization was founded almost 50 years ago. It was the Girl Friday, right? It, it was when a secretary was out sick on a Friday or uh, there was a vacation fill. It was basically only for that purpose. But today's companies are using contingent workers to be much more strategic you know, they're highly educated and experienced professionals. In fact, I uh, saw a survey, just a recent survey by the BLS, who it stated that 44% of contingent workers have a bachelor's degree, whereas 41% of traditional workers do. And I found that really fascinating. Just to highlight that statistic, what you were sharing about the bachelor's degree, uh, it just illustrates how the nature of contingent work has shifted over time, right? Um, because yeah, it used to be uh, very much the opposite. Like you, you would have people who were in in career, you know, kind of the quote unquote corporate gig, stable career kind of um, outlook uh, in how they are working. 
that they would have often more education than you had contingent right. workers that often were kind of on the periphery of the labor market who would kind right. of be plugged in, like you said, in these particular niche kind of situations, that is kind of out the window. Like that's not the environment today. And, uh, and we have highly specialized contingent workers who are uh, part of the gig economy who, you know, have bachelor's degrees, master's doctorates who do all sorts of extra work, sometimes in addition to their corporate gig, and they do extra stuff on the side. Um, anyways, I just wanted to highlight that. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point. You know, um, companies utilize contingent workers for a lot of different reasons, right? Um, one being they want to innovate new products, uh, new services. So uh, you think about the traditional means for gaining knowledge in an organization. There's training the talent, right? You have your, your, your traditional workforce. Well, training them could take years, really, especially for some of these more specialized um, careers. You could buy the talent. And we know how that's been going during the great resignation. Companies are just outbidding each other. And it's um, it, it's great for the workers to be getting higher salaries, but it's it's really starting to pinch the budgets of, of companies, right? And plus, you've got the recruiting time, the onboarding time, and not only that, but the risk that once the worker's on board, they'll quit after six months. So you've got that turnover risk. So um, and then the other option is to, what I say, borrow the talent, and, and that's where the contingent workforce comes in. Um, a great example of this is research and development. Scientists are hard to recruit for right now, so companies have been basically outsourcing the research and development of their own products, um, which is, again, so far from the Girl Friday, right? Um, and and what that you know engaging uh, or borrowing that talent looks like is you know you can engage a consultant, you can hire a temporary employee, or as I mentioned, outsourcing the you know outsourcing the whole function to a developer or a research facility. Um, that's that's one way um, that companies are strategically using contingent workers. Another way is when companies want to enter into a new market. Um, I, I can speak from personal experience on this. We wanted to enter into a new service offering and a new um, location for our services. And so we engaged a consultant that we met through an industry professional association. And, you know, she came on board. She had immediately had the expertise. There was none of that um you know, onboarding and training time for her. She immediately was was out of the gate, right? And she trained our inexperienced staff on all that we needed to do to pull the service offering together, how to service our clients, how to launch it from a sales perspective, how to price the product. And it was just a really great experience, not only for her, um, but also for us, because internally it was a growth opportunity for us and then we got to go out and and deliver this to our our client base, so definitely a a win win situation there. But there's additional examples that I can um, refer to, such as uh, expanding to a new location. Right, we have yeah. um, several clients in Canada who they have great products and services, and they want to expand their market into the U.S. So they partner with a company with an employer of record service company so that they can 
launch and, and provide those services in a different country or in a, even in a different state in the United States. Uh, those are contingent workers. Yeah. Um, retirees, you had mentioned earlier that, um, you know, the, the current generation, that they're retiring at great, um, great numbers. And these people want to work still. And they're a great source of talent. So a lot of retirees are continuing to stay active in the uh, economy. And they're, you know, getting gigs and consulting work and still still providing a great resource for employers. Yeah. And if I can double click on that, um, that's actually been a huge component of the growing gig economy in, in the contingent workforce. Uh, because more and more people who are kind of aging out of the traditional labor force, they're, they're, they're taking their retirement, they're, they're moving on into retirement. They also then realize, well, wait a minute, you know, going from like 60 hours a week, you know, high profile, uh, work where I'm doing, you know, meaningful work. And now all of a sudden I'm like golfing every day or, you know, whatever the chosen pastime is for people as they retire, they realize I don't want that. And so people are easing into retirement. So they, they might finish their, you know, their, their heavy duty corporate role. Uh, but then they move into consulting work or they move into these other kinds of part-time uh, gigs excuse me, where they can still utilize their years right. of experience and expertise and their talents and their creativity. But instead of working 60, 50, 40 hours now, they're working 10, 15, 20 hours, whatever. And over time, they can scale back as you know it fits their lifestyle and as they adjust. Uh, and, and so that's a huge um, uh, reservoir uh, of talent that organizations need to find a way to streamline into their organization uh, as they're dealing with skills gaps. Yeah, I remember uh, after the Great Recession, we thought that retirees were staying in the workforce because they couldn't afford to retire. And that very well may have been the case for some of them. But I think to your point, there are a lot of them just wanted to stay productive. Um, I have a, a very close friend who likes to call it pre-tirement. I, I mean, I, I'm way off from that. You know, I'm I'm 43. I have a lot of years ahead of me. Um but I, I, I contemplate what will that look like? And I have, I have friends and I have some in-laws and siblings, you know, people who, who dream about early retirement. And I think about it, I'm like, I don't know, like, I don't think I would do well retired. <laughs> um, so, you know, if I'm physically, mentally able, I can see my, I mean, right now, as I sit here today, I could see myself, you know, working into my seventies and, and, and beyond, um, you know, maybe at a reduced rate over time, but you know, I, I I don't see myself certainly not retiring early. I can't see myself at sixty five saying I'm done and I'm I'm just going to you know do other retiree type of stuff for the rest of my life. I just don't see that. I don't see that in me. Um, and I know there's lots of people that feel the same way. Yeah. So companies who are um, you know using the contingent workforce strategically see that and they're keeping in touch with their retirees and with the contingent workers that have worked for them over the course of you know the last 20 years they've figured out a system to continuously communicate with those contingent workers keep them engaged and be able to tap into their skills and competencies when they you know when they need it um there, other companies are utilizing the contingent workforce for what you can call silver medalists, right? So you have a, a an open requisition and the TA department, they find the top candidate 
for that role. It doesn't mean that the the people who interviewed for it and came in second and third aren't great as well. And so organizations who have figured out this strategic way of using contingent workforce are staying in touch with those uh, those candidates as well. And you know, utilizing them on a either contingent basis or maybe for their next direct hire position. But they they figured this out. They have uh, databases that that keep this um, moving and are communicating to them in a way that is keeping them engaged with that organization. Yeah, and that is a really critical point. Whether we're talking just about contingent workers or potential future, you know, people that are contributing in that manner, or like you said, future hires, it actually blows my mind. I mean, I get it. I get why organizations don't do it. Um, but it blows my mind when I see how much talent is left on the table that organizations just don't even engage in any meaningful way. They go through this whole process, they vetted them, they've, and, and maybe they're not the, the one that ends up getting selected at the end of the day, but these are good people with good mm-hmm. skills that can add a lot to the organization. Maybe this wasn't the right fit at the right time or whatever, but yeah, you you want to be cultivating those relationships, especially in a tight labor market with lots of skills gaps. Man, you 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 don't want to be leaving all of that talent on the table. Make sure that you're fostering those relationships. Um, that, that's a little bit of a, a periphery note to this broader conversation we're having right now, but it's a really important one to to hone in on. So, where do you see things going in 2023? We've talked about the trajectory. More and more contingent workers. Um, where do you see things going this year and in the, in the coming years? Well, there's a lot of data out there, right? Um, A recent McKinsey survey said that 80% of executives had planned to use more contingent workers after the pandemic than before. So I think that, you know, a lot of executives figured out during the pandemic that having the flexibility of expanding and and contracting as the business needed uh, was, was very helpful. Um, Josh Burson, he's a a great thought leader, HR thought leader that I like to follow. He is saying that organizations are in this really unique position right now where we're planning for expansion and, um, you know, downsizing at the same time. Because I think really we're feeling pretty optimistic right now. And um, and I think a lot of organizations are feeling optimistic, but we've got all this news out there with, you know, the technology firms, they're all laying off about 13%. I don't know where this 13% came from, but they're all laying off about 13% of their workforce right now. So those two things, you, you've got to reconcile them, right? Um, Wall Street Journal- And, and, had- and to that point too, this goes back to what we were just talking about. If you get to the point for whatever reason, you feel like, there need to be layoffs. You lay off, you know, a portion of your workforce. Presumably, these were people that were contributors. You're not just firing people because they aren't good performers. You're you're laying off people because of other macro issues, right? And so, if you're letting these people go, you better be treating them well as they exit. You better be making sure that you treat them with dignity and respect because these are the same people that you might want to hire back in the future, or you might want to bring on as consultants or whatever. Uh, perhaps in a more flexible fashion, but you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot by having, you know, the, the a sour taste in their mouth as they're leaving your organization. So make sure you treat them well as they're exiting. You know, the thing is, um, with all of the different data that's out there, 
what I'm reading is mid-sized companies are feeling optimistic. Larger companies, they've already instituted hiring freezes. But in both of those situations, contingent workers do well. Um, in hiring freezes, organizations still have demands and they still have deadlines that they need to, to meet. And so who do they turn to? They turn to the contingent workforce to come in and deliver because they can easily let them go when the project is done. Um, and then, you know, for companies who are optimistic right now, like like our company is, uh, we're using contingent labor to, to help us enter new markets and, and, um, and you know, deliver on projects for our clients. So I think the the outlook for contingent workers is is excellent in 2023 and beyond. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that trajectory, you know, we, we see a very clear trend um, and I think we're continuing to go that way. And, you know, there people hem and haw over this and, and some people get nervous about the, the shifting nature of work and, and the move towards more contingent workforce and gig work and, and such. Um, I just see it as an evolution of the workplace, the evolution of the labor market. And I don't see that trend changing anytime soon. The reality is both sides want the flexibility. Employees, uh, workers increasingly want more flexibility in how they do the work. Now they utilize their expertise and their experience. And many of them are choosing to do this through contingent work arrangements. Uh, organizations, to the points you've already been making, like they they like the flexibility of, of having contingent workers. They can ebb and flow with you know, the ups and downs in the economy and all these other macro issues that are influencing the way that they're trying to deliver value to the market. Um, and and I don't see that changing anytime soon. So uh, as we continue to lean into this future of work where flexibility is king, where people want options and they expect options, organizations want flexibility, we're going to continue to see more and more uh, people embracing this contingent work model, even if it's on the side, even if they have kind of their corporate gig, they have their kind of daytime main job, and then they do extra contingent work on the side, uh, more and more people are are dabbling and trying that out and seeing what that's like. And they're finding that it's actually really nice. Uh, and it's a, it's a great way to, to utilize their skills, perhaps in a creative way that they don't get to every day at work, uh, maybe it supplement their income, et cetera. Yeah, I uh, agree with you on both of those points. It would be helpful, um, and, and this is a whole nother podcast, but it would be helpful if our politicians um, saw that this was something that both the workers and the employers liked and helped us out a little bit. Um, again, that's a whole nother topic, and I don't want to go political on this call, but um, it, it would be really helpful. There's there's great social programs that independent contractors could could benefit from as you know traditional workers yeah for sure maybe in, our, in the last few minutes we have together uh I, I would love to explore how we can get the most out of these contingent workers i think that's something that a lot of managers and leaders still even if they they are wrapping their head around the 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 value of having contingent workers and filling these skills gaps and they they're utilizing them but they don't know really how to leverage that they don't really know how to manage it um and get the most out of those workers any thoughts or or tips on how to go about doing that yeah i think the biggest trend that um i'm hearing about right now is you know in larger companies procurement has typically been the manager of a contingent workforce program because it was strictly, you know, when it was tactical, when it was the Girl Friday, um, it, it was mostly price that they were 
concerning themselves with. They weren't concerned with the strategic flexibility that it would, you know, give the organization. And so moving away from a procurement-led um, solution to one that either in is led by TA or human resources, or at least partnered with talent acquisition and HR, um, will will help an organization look at it more from a strate strategic workforce planning perspective. That would be my my top um, recommendation. You know, at Dolby, I was just reading an article. They have um, a a management professional there. He's he's titled the Elastic Talent Manager, which is great because uh, if you hear him talk, he's talking about the elasticity of this contingent workforce, right? So he, he is the strategic um, leader for how Dolby is taking advantage of, you know, uh, the contingent workforce. Um, the second thing is recruit for contingent talent. Uh, don't just assume that they'll always be there. Recruit for them to the point that we were talking about earlier. Have a network, have a database um, of people ready to to work for you when when the time comes. Right. Um, another important thing is to educate managers when to use contingent workers versus when to hire, because there's certainly different value propositions in in each. And if a manager knows at the time that they have a need, which direction to go, it will certainly help uh, the organization make a better choice. And I, I think the last thing um, that I would suggest is to be inclusive of the contingent workers that work for your company, right? Invite them to social gatherings, um, listen to their ideas. They have great experience and they can offer so much welcome them during the onboarding process, train them on things that they want to learn, right? Because if you give them a positive experience, they'll want to come back the next time you have a need for the skills or competencies that they offer. Yeah. Treat them like a member of your team. That's not rocket science. That should be fairly obvious. Um, yet most organizations are still treating them as like this separate second-class group of workers. Just treat them inclusively like part of your team. Treat them with dignity and respect. Uh, it should be uh, a no-brainer, but it, it's worth repeating and, and worth emphasizing. Well, Tanya, this has really been a great conversation. I know at the time I need to let you go, but before we wrap things up, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Oh, yes. So um, thank you. This has been a great experience, John. I can be um, found on LinkedIn, uh, Tanya Fierro, T-A-N-I-A, last name F-I-E-R-O. Uh, please feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to have discussion with anyone on this subject. And, um, you know, again, I'm very lucky to be practicing human resources in the contingent workforce industry. We provide so much value to workers, to talent, and to organizations. Uh, thanks for, for having me on, John. It has been a pleasure. I really encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Tanya and her team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. 
Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.